Hey, Melody. Hey, Peter. What's up, Drew? Hey. Welcome to How College Works. Uh, today we have another guest, because that's the way I want to try to roll this semester. <laughs> Many guests as possible. Guest, please introduce yourself. Hi, well, I'm Bill Stanfield. I'm a registrar and uh, fairly new uh, in this current position, but been a registrar before, uh, campus director of a small career college, and have uh, taught before that, been in uh, post-secondary education since 1992. Before that, I was in the Uncle Sam's Air Force for 26 years. All right. Which probably calculates to, uh, I'm an old guy. <laughs> <laughs> it seems likely. I mean, 26 years plus 1992, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm not a math major. I'm <laughs> We're gonna do some gender, you know, equity here. We shouldn't, we shouldn't ask Bill his age. I didn't ask. He. You're, you're just implying strongly. He implied. I guess that's. I true. was supporting what he said. Is that really that supportive? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, so Bill, uh, I'll I'll be honest. I don't think I remember hearing the word registrar yeah. until I was graduating college. What? And I would agree with you, I never did either. In fact, I, it was a while after college, I think, before I went for my master's. Um, let me do the math here. For the <laughs> yeah. uh, let's see, 79, 69. See, he's doing that to himself. <laughs> about 14 years after college. Mm. And that's the first time I had to go get a transcript and said, oh, registrar. And it's since that time, I know that even high schools have registrars, but who knew? Yeah. I, well, I didn't. Yep, I sure didn't. So. Drew, do you have a registrar? Uh, yeah, every... <laughs> yeah. I have no idea. He's like, zero, yeah, no, zero clue that has one. my high school had a registrar. It's just this other, this other person in the, in the office, you know, whatever she does, or he does. Yeah. I mean, if you, if you typically went from straight from 12th grade into college, like a lot of people do, not everybody, then your transcripts are spent like kind of automatically and you're uh -huh. just busy having a party before you start college. Oh, sure. So right, right. No, but if you have to come back, if you're non-traditional, that's the person you go ask at your high school, your alma mater, is the registrar to go get official transcripts. I feel like my school counselors doubled as that, which is maybe why I didn't. I'm from a really small school. They probably... I'm gonna I'm gonna guess and Drew tell me how wrong I am that they probably like liaised like you went to talk to the counselor and then they were the ones who handed the stuff to the registrar to actually make the thing happen because they're not like psychic they have to know where you're applying and that my school counselor knew where I was applying to. I, that might be the case. I, I I don't know. The schools that I've worked at have a separate position that's registrar, and it's um, you know it's a it's all really kind of tightly bound of what, what your job roles are. So the registrar is the registrar in a lot of at most schools. Yeah, I mean, like I said, if you're if you're in a traditional, like, 12th grade, I'm graduating with the credits I need, and I'm going to college, and I'm accepted, you probably don't notice the wheels turning. It's when you have to go back and ask for transcripts. The registrar only necessarily takes certain documents to request. You know, I don't know, the right way to read. You can't just, like, roll in and, and say, give me a transcript <laughs> so this is a good sort of jumping off point for bill what do you do 
What is a register? <laughs> like this very, because I, I remember like hard to pronounce word. Yeah. Well, you in know, fact, title. I heard people say register because they're not quite sure that it's yeah. a position. They so think it's, it's a thing. Yeah, it's not. Yeah. Office of register. It's not a cashier. Oh. Or, or a cash register. And they think, and, and they just think somebody has misspelled register when they say registrar. Oh. Right. So what does a registrar do? Well, uh, I think one of the first clues is the office is the Office of Academic Records. So therefore, uh, we are responsible, or I am, responsible for all the students' records while they're here at college. So, um, so yours so is the office of high school, to doesn't matter. Break into to burn all the records down. Yeah. So, <laughs> well, in fact, luck. we are required to keep them in fireproof. <gasps> oh, no. You're sorry. Yes, I'm sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we are, in fact, uh, moving to, we have a lot of old records here, and so we're in the process, or about to start a process, to scan those in and get them. Uh, digitally so that they can be dispersed and safe. So that's like so. sounds like some serious bit of like legislation. Like not just that you keep our records, you are required by law yes. to keep your physical records in fireproof containers. Yes. Or or somewhere fire. So if they're stored on the in the cloud, for example, that suffices. Right. Yeah. No. But yeah. I mean the internet would have to die. Yes. People come it would. back and, and ask for transcripts from you know, class of 1950. Yeah. 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 Class of what? <laughs> <laughs> Getting close. <laughs> but they could, right? Oh, so. they can. Well, and uh, here they could ask for a transcript from uh, 1889. That's our old And we can produce that. Although, can I request other people's transcripts? No, you cannot. Okay, so. No. So That's if I it. want to request a transcript from 1889, I have to somehow show that I'm related to the person. Yeah, since they are clearly dead. Oh. So. <laughs> a, a, they're very dead. In fact, we had a lady was visiting a week or so ago, and she asked how they could do that. They were having, uh, there was a family member wanted to, uh, was putting together some genealogy stuff and wanted that, and that would be a perfectly legitimate thing, but they had to give us proof of the relationship. So I can't be like pulling records of some random person and then stealing their identity to no. open up a bunch of credit you cards. cannot do that. So we keep all those records. We also have to uh, support a lot of different reports, uh, the state, mostly the federals for how many students we have, what's our census each year. We have to produce demographic for the PEDS, it's called IPEDS report, uh, demographic information about, that's why we're always asking about your ethnicity and gender and marriage status. Uh, lots of times they want to know how many students do you have who are within two years of having just graduated from high school. Mm -hmm. In other words, not your typical adult learner who's been slinging hamburgers for five years. Right. So uh, there's a whole uh, wealth of stuff we do. We keep them all in a database, and which permits us to just pull out reports in, in various ways. I'm working on one right now. A uh, quick request was how many students do we have from each state in foreign countries? Yeah. So that's hmm. a typical. So a lot of my day uh, seems to be here at the front end of the semester spent pulling up uh, reports, data for special requests mm -hmm. uh, for our honor societies, uh, which students are eligible. Yeah. 
Uh, you know, there, there's, there's this whole, so since we have all that basic data, it's just a matter of pulling out in different forms, different criteria. Excellent. So one of the things that's bringing up is that even though, you know, we are at a private institution, there is, there is funds which come into the college from the state and federal government, and those require us to report numbers of students and sort of different demographics about those students. Correct. Right. Yeah. And, and then I think probably some of what you're doing is part of our, uh, not people coming outside to ask us for information, but rather us trying to disseminate information. Mm -hmm. like, hey, look at how many students we have from each state, how many students we have from all these you know, sure. large number of countries which are not the U.S. Yes. You know, so that we can then wrap that into enrollment management to recruit students in marketing who also recruit students, you know. And so. Exactly. Yeah, and that seems, if you look at our, at the day, it seems like we do all that kind of stuff, but I would say the primary mission is to maintain accurate and protected student records. Or else the government comes for you. Well, yeah, or, or some other person, that student who we didn't protect hits us with a lawsuit. Right, well that, that would be, be that would be bad. Good. Yes, that would yeah. be good. No. Thinking about my interactions with the registrar primarily are with course scheduling. Yes, well, that is a, an auxiliary function because we're fairly small. Mm -hmm. We, uh, I am also the scheduler. <laughs> so, uh, although I don't have to various departments uh, come in with their first estimate of how many sections of a course or what courses we need. I don't have to, at other jobs, registrar jobs where I was a scheduler, I had to come up with that as well. Okay. So that makes Fun. this is a bit easier in that regard. But uh, yeah, the scheduling function has to work closely with the registrar. In fact, we're so small, I work real close with myself. <laughs> so in a larger institution, like uh, probably even where I went, did my undergraduate at Case Western Reserve University, yeah. it's probably big enough that they have somebody else who does all the scheduling. Exactly. But then that gets sort of pushed into a system, and then the grades come into the registrar. Yeah. As well. Uh, they come in either, either by uh, structure submitting them online, uh, or where they hand in a piece of paper, but yeah, they all come into us. It's all kept in the same big database, mm. and then we can pull out transcripts. We can pull out grade reports, listings, you know, kind of however you want it. So, despite the fact that I submit what I want to do, and I generally, I just, I've always gotten what I've submitted. Can, can I blame you for my class schedule? Yes. Oh, excellent. Oh. You are a generous man, Bill. <laughs> and comes and goes. <laughs> blame him for your room assignment. I mean, I only, I only teach in one yes, room, which is kind of nice. How does that line up with the registrar in high schools, Drew? Well, okay, I'm going to start by saying I'm not a registrar. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, we should preface this with Drew is not a registrar, so this is all like second, third hand, but... You know, I don't know. It's not, not so far removed. I, I have worked closely with registrars and with the counseling, uh, scheduling, you know, staff, uh, just as a special education teacher, making sure my students were in aligned in the right classes. And that's what the registrar um, does also, it, it sounds like at college and high school too, is if I get a new student transferred in from different district or out of state, uh, the registrar is who receives the records. Not all, They're not always necessarily the person that requests records, mm -hmm. but they're always the 
receive and then check and say, okay, well, that transcript uh, had an Algebra 1 on it and that fulfills our requirement so they can put that student in, you know, Algebra 2 or Geometry or whatever's next. And so the registrar is like verifying that those credits from the previous school match our, you know, state requirements and our uh, school board requirements for our diploma um, so that they can basically transfer credits on, on transferring in kids. Uh, and coming up from eighth grade and, you know, and also, you know, students with special education or student, uh, you know, other, I don't know, gifted and talented or a AP kids of, are they in the correct course? Did they get all the prerequisites filled um, before we set our master schedule? So uh, aside from holding those records, which do the, at the high school, I think it's seven years in the vault on campus, and then they send them to the district office, um, who's holding everybody from eight years back to whenever. Um, somewhere there's a, yeah, fireproof vault with, um, and you have to, you know, it's like, it's Pentagon level, you got to sign your name when you open the door kind of thing. Nice, nice. So, uh, so uh, something you just said, which... Uh, Credits, transferring in. Transfer, yes. <laughs> Reading my mind, Melody. Yeah, I knew what you were doing. <laughs> so, but how does that... So, Drew is saying that for in high school, like, if I, my son transfers, then, you know, we get his transcript tra transferred to the registrar of the next school, who then checks whether they count for credit within that system. How does that match up with the system, with our system? Yeah. Uh, that is my responsibility as well. However, uh, sometimes it's pretty straightforward. Uh, I will bring up the catalog uh, of another college that the student's transferring from, and I will check the, the uh, level of the class, 200, 300, mm -hmm. freshman, sophomore level, uh, and then I will uh, check the course description. Uh, if it seems a little uh, not quite there, then I will consult a faculty member because I am not, you know, you are not a red star, I am not a faculty member. So <laughs> I, I will defer lots of times to a faculty member on that. Uh, and sometimes it'll just have to come in as an elective if it doesn't, it's not going to substitute, you know, count for a class. There's something else you mentioned, uh, Keith, I mean, not only that, a probably a pretty important aspect of my position that I didn't mention was, uh, the registrar is actually who graduates the students. <laughs> so, without uh, what we do is the degree audits. So when they are ready, I'm, I'm working on two now. They're not. We're going to make sure they're on track. We looked and double checked that all the requirements were made. You know, did the student? It's ultimately the student's responsibility. Uh, the advisors have a big part in that, but. Do we actually graduate them? That's, I get to say so. <laughs> or not. Uh, well, so don't make an enemy of your registrar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, definitely not. Could you say that again for just one more time? <laughs> don't, don't make an enemy of your registrar. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, Drew, you, uh, I think you were about to come in with something. Actually, one, one university who will rename, remain nameless was um, required me when I, I signed up for my master's to provide the uh, not the course description, but the syllabus for uh -huh. one of my undergraduate courses to prove that I had met the California requirement for baccalaureate level writing. And so I'm just like, I just, I was just, come on now, guys, I have a degree. <laughs> but I had to go back and get that syllabus. And I, I actually have saved all of my syllabuses from undergraduate. So I was able to just like hand that in. But failing that, I would have had to 
call a university and say, hey, can you get me a copy of the syllabus from 1998 or whenever I, you know, did this writing class, undergraduate level writing. So, we do something similar. Yeah, so I have to turn in all my syllabi. I was late this semester. Yes. Apologies to Deanna. Sorry, Deanna. But do you hold on to those syllabi, or does academic affairs? Uh, I don't touch them, so okay. that's academic affairs. Uh, I have yet to... Uh, that's always an option, that if somebody was real critical, they wanted this to count for something to graduate, and we weren't really sure, then that would be a fallback. I haven't had to do that yet, but a fallback would be... Show me a syllabus. Yeah, we do that for everyone. Yeah. That particular thing, and I think it's a California law, was that the undergraduate writing course had at least two um, writing assignments that were 5,000 words or more as part of the syllabus. And it obviously did, so that worked. Yeah. That's good. Well, they do have so really strict, like, core requirements there, especially for writing and communication in California, I've noticed. I'm not certain. It might have been because it was out of state. and That's probably what it was. <laughs> the in-state people, they have to take a test, and that fulfills the requirement. So I could have paid money and taken the test, and I was like, well, I, I've already got a degree. Like, can I just show you the syllabus, please? Yeah. <laughs> nope, not that easy. Yeah. yeah. And so I, for my advisees who are transferring, you know, I tell them that, uh, if, you know, it falls on them to contact the school they want to transfer into, and then that sort of credit transfer is kind of always a negotiation. Mm -hmm. In that, if if they want, if there's not necessarily, but I have students who are going to another school and they want the physics that they took with me to count. So I have provided syllabi and written a little blurb about like what I'm using and why I'm using it and why they should count in this way. Sure. Um, but you know, as you say that. If there's something that like that happening, it's probably not the registrar who makes that final call, but rather faculty within the department that it is counting for. Yeah, yeah like whenever I, whenever I have to evaluate syllabi or assignment sheets, I have to sign a piece of paper that says I'm not accepting your credit right. or whatever. So. Strangely enough, there's not a lot of people transferring physics into our school. That's weird. <laughs> I can't believe, like, I... I was just thinking, as a transfer student, because I transferred from a two-year community college to a four-year college, so I actually heard the word registrar yeah. before yeah. I graduated. Yeah. So, like, for transfer students, and I think that that's true, like, if for non-traditional students who don't go directly, we're forced to sort of figure this stuff out because mm. you do have to go get that paperwork, and then you do have to, well, why didn't this transfer? It's always the question of the year. Right. Well, I mean, the, the level of conformity you would need among your courses would be very, very high uh, in order to have a class just transfer across, which is does not work with the level of freedom that we have as, as faculty members. Except for the state of California, though, right? They have some pretty standard... Whoa! Oh, that scared me. <laughs> wow. Yeah. The, sirens, the hunt is coming. I was like, what the heck? I thought it was like a tornado siren. <laughs> Well, forgot about that. Like, except, like I was saying, except for the state of California, right? Because didn't you say that they tend to, like, take, go to the two-year local uh, affiliate and then they, like, track into those four-year schools, but they have an agreement through the state that those will transfer in because they're all on the same system, yes? Yeah, so, I mean, the, and I'm, I'm not a super expert because I didn't go to college out here until master's degree, but um, the... So all of the UCs are essentially one school system. Mm -hmm. 
uh, it's different at each campus, but they have the same president and the same board of trustees or whatever. Uh, all of the California community colleges are the same system. And as long as you're within your resident, like if you're in your same county with the community colleges, then you're, you're okay. If you're going out of county, it's a little different. And if you're out of state, obviously that's really different. But there is a um, strong, um, what do you call it? articulation yeah. from community college up to the UCs and and it was designed that way and and like Sac State like the state uh, mm -hmm. the CS system, yeah. university system right I think there's a something I mean I don't know if it's quite I don't the same but there's something with I think within Missouri which has courses that are that meet a certain requirement I forget what it's called it's some acronym but that means that you're well, only supposed to be accepted when you go to We do have schools. articulation I haven't seen them but we have articulation agreements with for coming in and going out Yeah So what does articulation mean articulating uh, so my understanding of articulation agreements is that this is a... As opposed to a bus that's got lots of sections. I guess. Articulated I bus or, or articulated haulers like a dump truck that hinges yeah, right behind the camera. I was thinking of articulating. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, an articulation agreement is an official agreement between two schools about what will count and allow students to transfer without any of the negotiation. In the ideal sense, an articulation agreement might be one where a student goes to a school for a few years, takes a certain number of classes, receives a certain average GPA, and then is automatically admitted to the next school. And that's very, as uh, he mentioned, it's very typical from a, going from a community mm -hmm. college to a full-up university. That, right. Those are very common. I mean, both of those institutions benefit from that. The community mm -hmm. college, you know, they're going to be able to get a better, a more... Uh, people coming through because they know that if they hit, tick yeah. these boxes, they can move off to the bigger school. The bigger school gets motivated students, you know, that they can or come in. Ready to start their major. Yeah, just ready to go in and be successful. Mm -hmm. uh, because students that are coming from community college, I think, <laughs> coming from community colleges into a four-year, you know, they're this is something that they have planned. You know, yeah. this is this is not a student who's just come in and is going to just party and then burn out. They have to have, you know. What something they have to have planned for and, and save money for usually to do this, and so they are much more motivated students than somebody who just walks onto campus and be like, "Sure, okay, great." It's yeah, you know. Well, that's a great way to serve. Like, I don't think there's enough chairs in the in the building. You know, as far as um like a UC Davis or UC Berkeley or someplace to to just take all of the first year students that are. That are around like so it, it's helping yeah it's helping both institutions in that it's cheaper for the student to go to community college and start uh and there's there was agreements to move on um and then everybody gets a seat as right. well i mean it's really ex can't pack any more bodies on yeah it's really expensive to build new buildings which is you know part of what you know many campuses do like if a campus is the school does not have something in process about you know, planning for raising money or building something new on the campus, then they're probably dying. But, like, yeah. you don't want to have to be like, we're doubling our population because now all of the first year students are coming and none of them are coming from uh, from community colleges. It's, it's, I feel like I veered us off topic. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Um, well, so you were talking about one of the main ways that you interact with the registrar is like through course stuff, but yes. I also interact with the registrar in terms of my advising. 
So sometimes if I have an advising question that just doesn't, I can't figure it out, or I didn't look in the right part of the catalog, which sometimes happens. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's fine. That you didn't remember either. <laughs> Jill had to remind us. Um, but like, so we had like I had a question about an advisee that really only Bill could answer, and so we walked down there and asked the question, and he's doing some research for us or whatever. So. Some ways that, um, I mean, I'm a, a mediator in some ways for the students, but do students ever just come down and ask you questions without their advisor? About their advisor? Or without, without their advisor. Oh, all the time. Okay, what kinds of questions do they? Well, lots of times it's how to, uh, they want to do something, we direct them to the right or give them the right form, uh -huh. uh, declaring a major, adding, dropping classes. Of course, now most of that's, Done. done for this term but uh, they'll come in and want to know uh, well they'll want to know about transcripts so they'll, mm. they'll come in and ask us and we'll hand them that form yeah. <laughs> so but what the process is lots of times what the process will explain they can see a form but they don't know how it fits in so yeah. uh, some of the braver ones will come in and not afraid to ask us you know how does this work but yeah we field questions on everything from uh, FERPA, that's part of uh, the Family Education Rights and Privacy Act. That's uh, probably the main federal law act that governs how rigidly we protect their each student's academic records, their academic information. And so uh, we'll get questions about that a lot of times. So, so yep, <laughs> Is it questions like, how can I take my parents off of my... <laughs> yes. So... <laughs> That's there's a is. form for that, I'm sure. There, there is. is. In fact, yes, there is. In <laughs> fact, there's uh, when they come through, uh, you know, with brand new freshmen and their their uh, their hovering parent is right there. They uh, they always seems like they always sit down and put mom or dad, and mom says you better, and and put them down. And I always remind the student that you can change this form any time, <laughs> like next week if you want to. So did. yeah, it really is a student once they are in post secondary school. Um, their their infa information is theirs and not their parents. So, and uh, but we have to guard. You know that's an issue every now and then. But what we really have to guard is that uh, somebody for marketing purposes or other things uh, you were talking about earlier. Just you know you're trying to. Well, I guess it's all marketing to expand that you don't inadvertently send out some personal information that you shouldn't. So. So do students ever have, in your experience, sort of unreasonable expectations or misconceptions about what it is you do or what you can do? I don't think they have unreasonable expectations. I think it's more the case of, I didn't know you could do that. Mm -hmm. I think that's more, they, it's like perhaps you all uh, didn't really, and me when I was, you know, back in the day, I had no clue what the registrar did and what all they had their fingers in, yeah. pies. All of it. Yeah, so, but yeah, the, uh, the first, uh, my first time I was ever a registrar, the, my campus director at the time called me, it was, we were chatting just like on day one, so I already knew him ahead of time, but so we were chatting, he says, Bill, your job is to keep us legal. And that's how that was. He said, that is your priority is to keep us legal. And yes, we work real hard at that. <laughs> and part of that 
we maintaining like within the parameters of being legal is following the catalog, right? Because that's yeah our sort of our contract yeah. of sort. The catalog, catalog I have always considered in most schools, one up the road being an exception, is basically a legal document, mm -hmm. and everything flows from the catalog as far as policies and stuff like that. Uh, how are you going to run the the school, like when the courses are offered, what, how many credits the courses are, exactly. the lab on what them, what they count for, what they account for, for yes. prerequisites, like courses you need to take before you can take that course. Yes. How many so credits? That's kind of the agreement of what am I paying for, right? Right, an yeah, agreement of what you're paying for. So this is a reminder to listeners, we already have an episode on the catalog. Yes, we talked at length about that. But we have actually now an expert here saying like it is a legal contract of sorts, and so hey, you might want to read your catalog. Yeah, so certainly what I just, oh, sorry, go ahead, Drew. So I was just wondering, like, um, our course catalogs for each high school and the middle schools have a catalog too, although it's less super important and don't tell the middle schoolers that um, it's it's approved by the school board mm -hmm. the, the, the stuff that gets put in there and it also has to get kind of approved by the accreditation body that accredits our, our high schools so is is the catalog for the university um, approved by what the board of direct board of regents what board are we, of trustees what are board of regents? no I don't think so. No. The Board of Trustees is probably made aware of it, but I'm not sure they want to get to that detail. No, we, because we, we have made some catalog changes, our catalog is approved by the faculty. But is it approved? No, we vote on it. Do it, we? We all we vote. vote on the Everybody vote. But oh, we have voted on the handbook, haven't we? It's How do we make our catalog changes? We just sent them in. Oh, okay. <laughs> I mean, maybe huh. we should have voted. I'm just saying, I don't remember voting specifically on the catalog. I remember voting on the faculty handbook. Right, we do, we do vote on the faculty handbook. And that does have to go to the board for approval, the faculty handbook. That's true. So it's weird that so, the catalog doesn't. No. The catalog, at, at some point, it's probably, to, I've, I know this past one that we just put out that's now current, uh, came across the summer, uh, I guess I don't know, uh, you know, one agency, actually our public relations just was the coordinating body, but, uh, you know, we reviewed it, all the different departments reviewed it, because there's more in it than just mm -hmm. academics. Uh, right. They all reviewed it, but whether that went for the president to look at, I'm sure she was given an option, but I don't know if that yeah, was. I think it would have at least to go to the vice president of academic affairs. Well, yeah. As you say, like my interaction is mostly with the course catalog, courses portion yeah. of it, but there's you know things Tons. about like. Well, how to calculate GPA? How to calculate GPA? Like, like when you can have a leave of absence or a medical leave? Like, basically everything about academics within the yeah. college is in the catalog. Yeah. As but well that all falls under our VPAA, so she at least has to sign off on it. On, on that part, yes. Yeah. But then, of course, there's financial aid, and there's uh, mm. how do you uh, apply for you know, the college. That's in there, you know, all that kind of stuff. It's funny because I never would have seen a catalog until after I got into a college. Huh. <laughs> but I guess it's a, it's a legal document, so yeah. even though there's going to be other... It's, Information can be replicated someplace else. Like it, yeah. Now, some so colleges will put a... Ours doesn't. Some colleges will put a sentence in there that'll say, you know, uh, this college, in fact, I know one, I think, more notable, this, this, uh, this catalog uh, is, you know, subject to change at any time, just because, you know, it could be modified. I'm not a fan of that, but... 
they can do whatever they want. Mm -hmm. And there's actually one college uh, that I came across says this is not to be construed as, I forget the wording, but basically the final say. And I thought, whoa, wonder what yours is at your school. <laughs> that Maybe it's your, the registrar. It's <laughs> like, yeah. I'm the final say. That's <laughs> right. Wow. For listeners, you oh, cannot wow. see Drew's face, which is just like the oh my lord kind of face. Like, yeah, because Maybe the registrar wrote that in so they could probably, be the gatekeeper. That could be. You know. because I, I don't know. My, I just am remembering my undergraduate, you know, days whenever they were, uh, and I was told explicitly, not maybe by the registrar, but the the catalog you need to hold on to it because if it changes, it doesn't. It, it the one that you come in under in 1998, my first year, is the one that applies to you until you get your degree or, I, I think it was like a seven year run out where yeah. after seven years you go come back in under a new catalog whatever's changed in that time so you had to hold that and know your program so that I knew which courses to take for my degree and which ones didn't count and so I remember going to the registrar and saying hey I'm not passing this history course do I need it for my degree and get the answer of no it doesn't matter I said okay well I guess I'm gonna stop going to that class <laughs> that'll help and, you pass for sure but knowing that you know by that point that was you know, five years after I started, but I'm still under the 1998 catalog. So right. I needed to hold that piece of paper because it had changed for the new people coming in in 2000 and whatever. So, well, and the same is true for us, though. Uh -huh. I think we also have, there is, uh, there seems to be an option to so petition to go under. A, I don't know that you have to petition. You just have to be like, you have you to declare have to, like I'm using this later catalog right. as opposed to the one that I came in under. So well, like if the newer requirements were actually going to help you in some way to like not take that history class that you were failing anyway, or in some cases like, I don't know, it just seems easier for some students to adopt new catalogs. I mean, there have been, like, we had a major sort of. Uh, degree and core requirements changes in the time that I've been here and so you know the catalog has changed which means that it is definitely possible that one way or the other it could be an easier you know route yeah, but here a student doesn't just get to pick one willy-nilly mm -hmm. uh, the rules are the one they came in under uh, like you said uh, if they at the point they declare a major then they have a choice of their first one or the catalog in effect when they declare their major. Mm. Uh, sometimes sometimes they don't have a choice. For example, if, if you have a newer program that wasn't in effect when they started, right. then they, they must be the go program. under the one that's in right. effect when they declare that major. Like women and gender and sexualities or whatever. Yeah, or biology. Yeah, criminology. Yeah. So, yeah. So I, just, I have a student, so this is a question, and it might be a pretty specific question, but I have a student who came in, she's in her third year, so she's under the, we have the old English degree requirements, mm. but she wants to have a minor that's just, that's new in the new catalog that's not in the old catalog. Can she go from the old catalog with the major and the new catalog with the minor? Not supposed to. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> we can look at that. Okay. Well, I know we're in a, we're in a weird transitional we're, phase. Well, yeah, so. we are in a transitional phase, and uh, within reason, I know that the, the philosophy of our college is to uh, do what's best for the student. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah, but we're not going to let a student come in and just go, I don't want to take their history card, so I'm going to change my catalog. I didn't probably go for Well, and they can't move, well, as you say, they have from the one they come in under, the one that they declare under. Um, so they're not just 
able to use whatever catalog they want. Exactly. And they certainly can't go back. No. Like, no. can't be like, mm, well, the 98 catalog looks really good right That's now. Really good. Yeah, <laughs> can't do that. <laughs> that ship has sailed. No, can't do that. <laughs> there are guidelines, yes. Well, I think, I mean, most of the time those catalog changes are going to be reflecting changes in the industry or whatever you're being prepared for. So if you're in computer science and there's changes in the catalog, it's probably um, because computer science field has changed. And I don't think it's necessarily going to make it an easier program. It's because the faculty has agreed this is what we need to prepare our students yeah. to have a yeah. good degree on the way out. Yeah. But I think that's like the to maintain the old catalog is to protect people who are like I'm in my last year and if I do the, if I'm forced under this new catalog I'll have to take three extra semesters <laughs> yeah. versus yeah. just you know yeah. so there's got to be some wiggle room right yeah absolutely I mean it, it said so like we have had a major transition that has happened in the way that we handle our core requirements and that has sort of cascaded into the majors and so right. you know we need we need to allow some time for the people that are having that happen to sort of like kind of wash through. Right. You know. Cool. Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. Learn some stuff. Drew, do you have any questions lingering? <laughs> um, no, I don't think so. I think I asked, asked all my questions. You answered all your questions. Bill. Is there anything that a student should keep in mind or know when they come to talk to the registrar or go to the registrar's office? Like, is there uh, anything you want them, a student to know? Usually they're asking us because it's something they don't know, but uh, sometimes, uh, well, yeah, uh, there are, there are source resources, of course, available. Lots of times we'd like them to read what's required if they're coming in to uh, well, a simple thing to get a transcript sent somewhere, you know, did you bring your picture ID? I mean, we know who you are and all that kind of stuff. Sign. Um, Would it be worth a student? I guess nothing comes to mind other yeah. than we want them, if they're going to come in and ask about courses, we want them to know, well, who's your instructor, who's your advisor? But the, And that sounds silly. There are some of the new students, brand new students, I know what she looks like, but I can't remember her name, you know, that kind of thing. But, you know, I, most of the time it's, uh, uh, they're coming for information to us as opposed to we need something from them. Would it be worth a student maybe sending an email or giving a call if they're like, I want to request a transcript just to check what's required? Because, you know, on where our campus is not super large, but even so they have to, you know, walk from the suite to the to your office, and if they don't have what they need, they can go back. Yeah, and they didn't come back again. Uh, is is that sort of a worthwhile thing? Sure. Like, I am yeah. constantly calling your office usually when I'm advising mm-hmm. students. Yeah. So, know, like, is this the or, case? Or email or whatever. So. In fact, we have uh, some former students that have uh, gone with us two years, moved on to uh, uh, another four-year school, and you know, email back and ask questions about this and that, and how can I get this done and mm-hmm. You know, one was looking, uh, was actually uh, going to community college of the Air Force, which is actually sort of like a, a real community, well, it is a real community college. It's just all geographically separated places. I mean, uh, this is an Air Force base, and, uh, you know, she wanted, she needed some special requirements for transfer. Mm. And a straight transcript didn't do it with them, and so we 
and actually jumped through a few hoops or something and mm -hmm. got the Air Force what they needed. Well, I hope we didn't, haven't heard back from them. <laughs> <laughs> I presume I we did. thought you had it in with the Air Force. Can't you pull rank on somebody? Yeah. Uh, no, only if they're lower rank. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. Well, I don't really know my rank, but rank, who, who could you pull rank on? I, well, the oh, fact that I'm not in, I no, well, rank, rank, rank on anybody. But do they know that? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the you still have to salute the retired officers, right? Say yeah. that again? You still have to salute the retired officers. Oh, no, all they, they do when I go through the through a, a gate, they still do. <laughs> so. But that's just a courtesy, not a requirement. <laughs> nice. Well... Thank you for joining us, Bill. Well, sure. That was very informative. Always good to let people know what we do and how busy we are. <laughs> do awesome. Well, listeners, if you have a question for me, you can reach me on Twitter. I'm at Dr. Highland, D-O-C-T-O-R-H-Y-L-A-N-D. Or send me an email, peter.o.highland, H-Y-L-A-N-D, at gmail.com. All right. All right. See you next week. All right, bye. 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 <laughs>